My dad died. I miss my friends because of... I don't know how to tell my friends that. I want to help my friends. I don't know how. The pandemic has left me feeling very lonely. How can I best support students in my classroom? The morning meeting is meant to be a place to let you know that you are not alone. We can get through this together. So join us. Listen, learn, share your stories. This is the morning meeting. Good morning, everyone. Today's guest on the podcast is Dr. Tara Egan. She holds a doctorate in school psychology and has specialized training in counseling and family school relations. She's worked in public schools and in private schools and in mental health centers. And in 2011, she established the Charlotte Parent Coaching. She's worked as an adjunct professor in undergraduate psychology department at two different colleges. And she's the author of two books, Better Behavior for Ages 2 to 11 and Adolescence, A Parent's Guide. She also co-hosts a podcast, which is how I found her. The podcast is called One Day You'll Thank Me with her teenage daughter, Anna. She has over 20 years of experience in this field and is very dedicated to her clients and their families. She also is a wife, an ex-wife, a mom, and a stepmom. And today we're going to talk a lot about divorce and the effects that that has on students in general, certainly um, students as they go to college. So thank you so much for coming on the Morning Leading Podcast, Dr. Egan. I'm so glad to have you here with us. I'm so glad to be here with you. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit first about your own podcast, uh, One Day You'll Thank Me, which I love the title of. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So my podcast, One Day You'll Thank Me. Um, is I'm the, I'm a co-host and so is my teenage daughter and she's a high school student. And each week we talk to different guest experts about a variety of information that is pertinent, mostly to teens, but every once in a while we have like a rogue episode that's for younger kids or a rogue episode that's more for emerging adults, college students. And so the idea behind it is that we're going to talk about a particular topic, whether it's you know, being aware of the dangers of porn addiction or factoring in um, information about eating disorders, you know, whatever topic it is, is giving that professional perspective and the parent perspective as well as the teenager's perspective. So I'm thrilled. We get tons of support for the podcast. It's super fun to do. It's a really great bonding project with my daughter. So it's definitely exceeded my expectations. Mm -hmm. I love how you have, you know, you as a mom and as a professional and also the perspective of the teens, because so often you can find a podcast with one or the other. The funny part of it is she does not promote it amongst her friends. Like it's like a separate life for her that is like, because our audience is really parents Mm -hmm. and not teenagers. And so I asked her, like, do your friends even know that you do this? And she's like, no, not really. But she's articulate. She's expressive. She does a great job preparing for the episodes. I know she's learning a ton yeah, from talking to all these professionals. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 I don't know. It's fantastic. I can't say enough good things about it. <laughs> That's great. So tell us a little bit about your background, too. What, uh, what made you start a podcast like this? Well, my training, I used to be a school psychologist. and I worked in schools for a really long time. And I worked primarily with, well, I worked with all ages, but primarily with middle school and high school students. 
And I worked with kids who were really struggling behaviorally and socially. And then about 10 years ago, I got divorced and I decided to open a private practice called Charlotte Parent Coaching. And it's located in Charlotte, North Carolina. And my work is primarily working with kids who are struggling with anything, oftentimes anxiety, managing social media, dealing with, um, you know, family disruption, like separation and divorce. And so I work with the family as a whole, but it can look different. Sometimes I'm working just with the kids with a little bit of parent input. Sometimes I'm working solely with the parents and how I can support them in creating positive communication with their kids. Sometimes it's really like a family counseling model, but, um, When I, as I've been doing that work, I started to think about ways to make the information more um, accessible for anybody out there. And I've written a couple books, but honestly, the way that people obtain information these days is online. So Mm -hmm. I started doing the podcasting. I started doing a free parenting webinar weekly where we talk about different parenting topics. And as much as I like writing the books, this is an easy way to get high quality information out there to, to an audience. So it's, um, it's really been a great combination of my school psych training, my therapy training, as well as my interest in public speaking. Excellent. Well, thank you for doing it. I've been listening to your podcast and enjoying it very much. So appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, so today we thought we would talk a little bit about divorce and uh, how that affects, you know, kids as well as students as they, graduate and leave home. And at first I really thought about, well, there's a few things that I thought about, but um, one of the things I guess is that because divorce is so, I'm going to say normalized in our society, I feel like there was, it was um, more common. I don't know if divorce, if the rates are coming down or not, but um, because so many people know somebody who's been divorced, I think that there's this like, well, that's just normal. Um, and you know, everybody has to deal with that. So it's not a big deal. Um, Mm. and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that and what that experience is like for kids who are actually going through a divorce. Well, I think it's hugely disruptive and I think you're right. It's, it's a mainstream thing to happen and that Mm -hmm. a lot of families experience separation or divorce, but it doesn't make it less disruptive to a person's life. And of course, there's a lot of different versions of divorce. There's some divorces which are really high conflict, extremely stressful. You know, families are taking sides with one parent versus another, or you have extended families that are weighing in and, um, you know, there's just a lot of uh, drama and pain. Not every divorce is as eventful as that, but to give you some information here, the kids that experience the most like shock and grief are the kids who did not witness a lot of arguing between their parents. So if you have a really high conflict house, right, where mom and dad are always arguing, you know, there's a lot of door slammed, hateful things. Somebody packs a bag and leaves for the night, or they, you know, complain about the spouse, whether it's to extended family or to the kids, your mother is always so blah, blah, blah. There can be times when a divorce, there can be an element of relief to it and kids are ready. Like they can recognize like, this is horrible. Everybody's unhappy. Everybody's yelling and miserable. And so even though it's still a very sad thing to go through a transition like that, there is an element of relief. Other times parents have really kept a lot of the conflict between them or the sadness or the disconnect 
from their kids. And Mm -hmm. so from the kid's perspective, yeah, maybe their parents are super lovey-dovey or maybe they don't go on vacation for their anniversary every year, but there isn't necessarily a significant amount of chaos in the home. So in those situations, when maybe kids go off to college or they, you know, just are outside the house, parents might say, okay, well, it's time. Like we're going to separate and kids can feel completely blindsided and they can Mm -hmm. feel like, gosh, do I live in a lie? Or if my parents could hold it together for so long, like, why aren't they working through this? Like, why aren't they pushing through? And it can feel like their parents are being selfish or that it's out of the blue. And that can be really stressful for kids because they don't have any context for their parents not being together. But I wonder, like, I, I, I could hear the, the difference in the, like when they're told that they're, that their parents are getting divorced and how that can be so much more troubling when they were unaware of any conflict between the parents. But isn't it better that they grew up in a house that didn't have a lot of conflict? Right. I think that there's some kids who can recognize the kind of the gift that was given where they weren't in turmoil, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, to have a, a kid who is, you know, just entering into adulthood is still sort of has a teenage brain for them to sit there and objectively reflect on their parents' happiness and say, you know, I really think that I want my parents to feel emotionally fulfilled in their relationship. Like that's just not necessarily the space that kids are in at that time. And they can also feel like a sense of betrayal. Like how am I 18, 19, 20 years old? And I didn't know you guys were struggling. Okay. And they can feel like a bit of um, like, you know, a secret in the family or even a sense of betrayal. Mm-hmm. So Um, And also, too, is even if you have a family that didn't go through chaos, there still is going, there's still going to be an impact of kids being part of a family unit where the parents weren't connected. You know, maybe they had days where there was some silent treatment. Maybe kids didn't see their parents sleep in the same bed. You know, maybe there wasn't times where they were able to sort of problem solve and they just avoided and kind of there was like some stonewalling behavior. Like it might not have daily chaos, but at the same time, like there's still an impact of those kids seeing a primary relationship in their world be defined by distance or disconnection or even like um, apathy. So what do you recommend? And I'm sure that you recommend different things for kids of different ages, but what do you recommend for parents who are struggling, maybe considering separation or divorce? And how much information do you give kids at different ages about, you know, their relationship? In general, I think it's important for parents to recognize that regardless of how old your kids are, they, they're always your child. And so just because they're actually an adult, doesn't mean that they should become your confidant, your friend. I recently had a conversation with my daughter. I'm trying to think of what it was about. And she said, and I like made a joke like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be crazy if this happened? And it was, and she's like, do you think that happened? And I was like, no, 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 I'm just kidding. It was Mm -hmm. like something with her dad or whatever. And she goes, would you tell me if that happened? And I was like, no, (laughs) 
<laughs> she was like, well, why not? I'm old enough to know. I'm like, you're old enough to know and understand that like somebody else's parents had that happen. But like, that's not a burden that I would give you. And mm-hmm. she was like, oh yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. Like we still need to have boundaries with our kids and recognize like they're not impartial. They're not your neighbor friend who you go down and have a glass of wine on their front porch and complain about your your husband or your ex-husband. Like these are people who are invested and they're looking for ways to feel reassured and connected to both parents. And your kids might be old enough to recognize the flaws in their parents. Like, well, yeah, mom can be really hard to calm down when she's upset or dad can be a hothead or whatever it is. They Mm -hmm. can recognize those things. But it's really important for parents to always honor the parent-child relationship and not put the kids in in a position where they are burdened with all of the internal emotions that come with getting divorced. Because getting divorced is literally one of the most stressful things that can happen in a person's life. Like aside from the death of somebody really close to you, because there's so much grief and refiguring of your life that has to happen when you get divorced, it's something that kind of has to be honored and um, accommodated for. And you need to go through the process of becoming a person who isn't connected to this partner. And there's going to be the ups and downs that go with that. And your child has to go through their own journey of adjusting to their parents not being a partnership anymore. And so if you bring them on your journey and you expect them to navigate their own journey, like that's a lot. That's a lot yeah. for a parent to put on a child, regardless of their age. I'm just thinking about, you know, it doesn't really matter what age the child is when the parents get divorced, but when they go off to college, frequently your relationship with your parents change. And I'm wondering, you know, maybe you've heard of experiences with um, young adults when their parents, when they go to college and what happens in a divorce and what are some of the, you know, sort of pitfalls that parents may want to try to avoid when their kids go off to college after a divorce? I think a lot of the choices that can be really difficult for kids is when parents expect them to choose sides. And for example, so let's say parents are now living in different residences and now it's the holiday and parents are really concerned about where the child is sleeping. Whose house are you going to sleep at? Whose whose house are you going to be at on Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving dinner? And they can start to say, well, you know, I don't know why you would go to your dad's house when he didn't even leave any money in the savings account for And all this stress, right? And they can feel very threatened, you know, because kids who go off to college, honestly, their peer group is is really important to them. When they come home for a holiday, yeah, absolutely. They want to see their parents and their siblings, but they also want to connect with their high school friends or they want to get back together um, with, you know, a girlfriend they haven't seen in a while. And that's their primary focus. And when parents are suddenly pulling them in different directions, maybe withholding their affection or their monetary support or just their approval because the child is making choices with their time that feels wrong or upsetting, like that's extraordinarily stressful and is likely to result in your kid limiting their time with you because it's too much, you know? So it's great if parents can communicate well enough to say, hey, you know, the kids are about to come home for the holiday from college. You know, I'd love it if we could 
make sure that we both get some time with the kids. You know, what what do you say you have Thanksgiving dinner, you know, in the early afternoon at your house and we'll do more of like a, a luxurious dessert later on around six o'clock. I mean, it's wonderful if people can communicate that way and, and have it be collaborative right? because kids, they'll step away real quick when there's drama with their parents. Hmm. I'm just thinking also about like, I have a sophomore in college, so I noticed very soon after he left um, that the relationship just feels a little different. Like they do feel like they've grown up a bit and, um, you know, at some point they're not, you know, I'm not having to yell at him all the time to clean his room and things like that. So our relationship can change, you know, oftentimes for the better, Um, but it doesn't mean we're friends. And I'm just thinking about, you know, how difficult that could be because you want to you want them to be your friend. And when you've got a big thing going on, if you're the mom or the dad, um, you want to talk to your kids about those things, but it could be dangerous. It sounds. Well, I think there's a lot of opportunity to share with your kids. Some of the new things that are in your world as a result of separation or divorce to say, you know, I joined this new extracurricular activity, or I'm really enjoying this project that I now have time to do at work or, Hey, did you notice that I redecorated the guest room? Like there's places where you can get their opinion, get their support, share what's internally going on with you. You know, hey, I'm really feeling, um, I've been feeling kind of low energy lately. You know, it's a lot of change between me and your dad, but I decided to join a gym and I've been going like twice a week and it feels really good. Or you ask them their perspective of like, hey, son, you're, you're always in such great shape. Like, what should, what should I be doing to enjoy this new gym membership I got? Like, there's ways that you can connect and bring them into the new phase of your life without it being like, let me tell you about all the awful things your, your, your dad has said to me lately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your grandmother thinks that he's wrong too. And I just, you probably should talk to your dad and make sure that he's going to continue paying for your car insurance. Because the way he's talking, I don't even know if you can count on that. He's changed so much and I don't even recognize him anymore. Like that's the type of conversation that I hear parents have. Right. Um, And that's a very different thing than share in my transition from a married person who may have been married pretty unhappily to a person who's now finding a new part of their identity. Like your kids want to see you growing and changing. They want to see you being happy. They want to see you having a positive outlook. And it doesn't mean you can't share that things are tough. It doesn't mean you can't say it was really hard to do Christmas this year because I'm so used to being with dad's side of the family and I kind of miss your aunt Sarah and it's just a really big change. And, you know, when you were home for Christmas, what do you say we go to a movie and, and, you know, spend some time together? Like you don't have to hide every vulnerable thing from your child, but there, there needs to be a boundary where you're really respecting the space that they're in too. They can't be your therapist. They can't be your sole source of comfort, but they can be a support system. They can be someone you enjoy spending time with. They can get to see how you regroup and grow. That can be a really um, bonding experience. I know, like, for example, when my dad passed away, it's not the same as a divorce, but seeing my mom figure out where she was sort of going to put her energy, where she was going to flourish. Mm-hmm. In the aftermath, 
And there was days that were really difficult and she felt down and she felt lost and alone. And I was okay with seeing that. That's okay. That's part of her journey. She wasn't looking for me to solve it, you know, but I also got to see some places of resilience and problem solving. And I think there can be real, a lot of strength in that. But it's when parents try to disrupt their child's relationship with the other parent that is super hard on those kids. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Inner Harbor, providing grief support to students and those that support them. Find us at www.inner-harbor.org. I feel like, you know, I know divorce and death are very different, but it's all grief. So that's the stuff that you can talk about, the grief, your own grief, as well as your child's grief. Um, We always say, you know, when you're talking about a death that, you know, you're not here to fix it. And it's probably even more um, enticing to try to fix it when there's a divorce, because you could say, but don't feel bad because he was such a jerk anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to have that as much with the death. Uh, so, you know, as a parent, you have to really be much more mindful of what you're talking about and what you're saying to your children, um, there's adult a lot children of, as well. Yeah, there's a lot of phases of divorce. You know, there's like, I'm done with this. This is terrible. We're definitely splitting up. And then there's like, well, maybe we should work it out. Or maybe we should go to a therapy session or 10 therapy sessions or (laughs) 50 therapy sessions. And there's some of those sessions that give you hope. And you can kind of go on an up and down journey. And your kids don't need to be side by side with you in those up and downs. They, I think that if you're able to present to them some of the decisions that you feel more decisive on, if you say, well, dad and I have decided to live apart. He's going to be living at this place and I'm going to be living at this other place. That's a decision you've made versus we might separate. I don't know. I can't decide. He's been such a jerk lately. You know, what do you think? And then they're like torn between stepping away and just burying their head in the sand and, you know, go back to college or they're getting invested. Well, I don't know. I'll talk to dad. Do you think if he just, you know, did this or that, it would, you know, like we can't have kids get involved like that. Like they're not part of that marital relationship. They're part of the family, Mm -hmm. but we can't give them the impression that if they get involved or don't get involved, that the trajectory of the divorce or separation is going to change. Like that would be, we don't want them to feel responsible for how this, you know, plays out. Of course. So what do you recommend in that process as far as support for kids? And, you know, I'm using the word kids because they're always our kids, but, you know, of all different ages. Well, I think some of it is acknowledging their questions and recognizing that you can give an answer to a question that where you're not telling 100 percent of all the nuanced stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, And so you can tell them the 20% that's age appropriate and give them enough information to feel like they're not completely in the dark. Um, You know, everybody feels very frightened by uncertainty, you know, so you can share with them the pieces of it that feel pretty certain, like, oh, we're definitely going to be going to marriage counseling, or we're definitely going to be living in different houses for a while, whatever it is, you know, you can Mm -hmm. give them some of the information that you feel pretty confident of. And then also acknowledge where, you know, we're just not sure 
we're just not sure. I don't know the answer to that question yet. You know, that's something we're trying to figure out and, and we'll figure it out in time, but we want to make sure we're making good decisions and we're not doing anything hasty. I mean, kids are going to take their cues off you. If you're crying and angry and saying bitter things and, you know, throwing your spouse's stuff out on the front lawn, like they're going to respond with a pretty similar amount of angst. But -hmm. if you're like, you know what, it's time for a change. Like this is, this is a phase in my life where your other parent and I are going to adjust things. It's going to be okay. We love you. And, um, you know, looking for parents being able to maintain some of the same stability, right? So um, if some of the holiday routines are the same, if they're, if kids are able to count on whatever support their parents have been giving them financially in the past, if there's certain family friends, friends or relationships that they're still able to access, you know, you might have a child who's really close to an aunt or an uncle on the other, your spouse's side of the family, And it's really important that they be encouraged and permitted to maintain that relationship, assuming it's healthy. Right. um, And not feel like they have to disrupt their own personal relationships out of some sense of loyalty. So they're really, I mean, probably the biggest advice I could give is for the parents to get the support they need so that they can present as a calm, reasonably assured, pretty positive thinking person in front of their kids, not some big lie or, you know, but Mm -hmm. so they can get into a space where when they're spending time with their kid or they're on the phone with them, that they can be like, honey, tell me about your classes or have you done anything fun on the weekend? And, and where they have, like, they're equipped to be able to be responsive to their kids Mm -hmm. in those conversations or during those visits. Do you feel like there's anything that, you know, kids of divorce that that they need that we need to be looking out for when they get to college um you know obviously it's college is a huge transition for everybody but are there certain things that parents should be talking to their kids about or um you know if there's a resident assistant or teachers um what are some of the things that they should be looking out for or are there things that they should be looking out for for kids like that Well, I think whenever a family goes through a transition like that, as much as you can be connected to your kid, not hovering, not calling double the amount of time you would, but just having them understand like you're okay and you're still here for them and you're still going to have the conversations they have about how annoying their roommate is or how, you know, their statistic teacher, statistics teacher gives too much homework and, you know, sort of be present in those everyday moments. But I would I would notice, you know, check in. Are they sleeping? Are they eating okay? Are they getting enough socialization? Um, sometimes with kids, is they'll be feel very um, discombobulated in in relationships, right? Like they'll think, oh my goodness, you know, I'm now from a home where my parents aren't remaining married, and what does that say about my capacity to be a partner? Or um, just sort of their understanding of the world, right? Especially if that child felt relatively blindsided by their parents' separation. So, and in college, you know, that's a, that's a time where kids are really exploring relationships and it could be a relationship with, you know, a roommate. It could be, you know, with some friends they may met at an extracurricular activity, or it might be a romantic partnership. Mm -hmm. But I think just like in any other situation, 
where there's grief, we want to look for symptoms of depression, maybe increased anxiety, um, getting more emotional when there's a transition, right? So something happens where a class went from being in person to being online or their car broke down and is out of commission for two weeks. And so sometimes that can feel really overwhelming to kids who are also experiencing the transition of, you know, their, their family of origin going through the transition of separation or divorce. Mm-hmm. So in making sure they know what the resources are, and it could be a resource like getting involved in an extracurricular activity that, call, that allows them to sort of escape and have fun. Or it can be something more specific to mental health care, like going and speaking to a counselor at the, you know, at the counseling um, services area of the college or connecting them with a a therapist who can do telehealth services, um, connecting with their resident advisor when it's the middle of the night and they're kind of feeling despairing about things. You know, you want them to reach out to people versus curling in on themselves like we do better when we feel connected to other people for sure I was just thinking about how um, it really can make kids feel like you know question relationships and their ability to be in a committed relationship and but most of the time in college people will have several different romantic relationships anyway Um, and with each breakup most kids, I think, you know, who have not gone through a divorce might think like, that's just normal. That's what happens. But I can see how it can really make somebody question whether or not they're, you know, meant to be in a committed relationship or if they have what it takes, if they've learned the skills. But it's so normal for kids that age to go through, you know, typically you don't, your first boyfriend or girlfriend is not going to end up being your spouse. Right. I do think that kids are going to look more to their peers and how they conduct their relationships than necessarily their parents if they're in college age. Um, You know, parents are old and weird and a little gross. And like, you know, that's not necessarily going to be consciously, you know, their primary reference point, even though we know there's an impact, of course, on kids' development based on what their families, you know, what their home life is like. Mm -hmm. But I also think that there's some kids who see parents who divorce and they are able to recognize that that wasn't a good match. And, you know, my parents wanted something different for themselves and it's okay for me to recognize that I'm in a relationship that isn't going well and step away. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. some people who will have their role model be parents who got together in high school or college and stayed together for 40 years And there can be kids who really struggle to separate from a relationship that might not be exactly what they want or need, but they think you stick it out. So I I don't know that it always works out that having parents um, role model what separation looks like. I don't know that that always has to be a bad thing. Right. Because I guess you're right. Staying in a marriage that's not healthy is also modeling uh, behavior. Mm-hmm. So kids really Absolutely. do. I mean, I think you're right. They just need to figure it out no matter what, you know, uh, divorced or not. So. Well, and there's so much information now that's accessible to people generally as far as, you know, we just we have so much more research about the impact of relationships on things like attachment and, you know, what, for example, being betrayed. Like if you're in a relationship where somebody is unfaithful to someone like there's resources out there. 
whether it's the form of podcasts or books or blogs or access to a therapist where people can get information to give them some support and guidance. And I think that college students do this. Like they are information absorbing machines. And so I think hopefully they're using some of that sort of research ability to answer questions for themselves if they feel like they're not understanding something, you know? I mean, I don't know. Not everybody is going to. Some people are going to kind of avoid that conversation. And when it comes up later on, when they're in a more serious relationship, they'll deal with it then. Um, But I think that we just have so much more access now to the helpful sources. Like yourself. I'm going to ask you in a minute how people can get in touch with you. But before we do that, um, I always like to ask my guests, how are you taking care of yourself right now during this pandemic? And that could be, you know, in healthy or less than healthy ways. But well, I think that one of the things that I am very grateful for is, first of all, I'm able to do the work that I feel so passionate about with so much therapy now being conducted over Zoom. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have the ability to still support people, help people. Like so much of my self-esteem and identity is related to being a therapist and being a resource for kids and their families. And so for me, that's been relatively uninterrupted, which is a huge advantage that I have that not everybody in the working world has. Another thing is I'm pretty introverted. Like I spend a lot of my day talking to people and connecting with people, but it's in a very one-on-one or a family group in, in, in me. And so it's really satisfying connections. And so by the time my work day's done and my kids are there and they're adorable and I have this great husband and we, well, I have to say one of the ways that we have self-care in our family is we keep collecting pets. So we just adopted a second dog during quarantine. We're totally in love. We're those people who like our day revolves around whether or not they've gotten their treat and if they feel like they're loved and pet enough. And so I think just in reflecting, just in this moment, we've had this conversation, like our connection with our pets and at the family time we share together um, with our pets is very, very soothing. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, when you combine the fact that I feel so satisfied with my work, my kids are doing generally very well. We have a nice home life with these pets and each other, and I'm pretty introverted. I'm pretty good at entertaining myself with the books I read and, you know, my little family. So I think it's a very different experience when you have somebody who's highly extroverted or feels like some of their interests are very hampered. You know, like if they're, my son's a baseball player and, you know, he hasn't been on a baseball team and I know that's a big bummer for him, but I don't want to play baseball. (laughs) So so I don't have that same, yeah, I don't have that same loss that he does. And all I can do is see what we can do to meet his, his exercise needs so that Mm -hmm. he feels like his body is getting the movement that he needs. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, and also carving out time to still sort of have vacation. So even if you're not spending the time or the money to travel because of COVID, it's important to still, like if your company allots you three weeks of vacation and you're not taking it because you're like, oh, but we're not really going anywhere, then you're 
much more likely to experience like burnout and exhaustion and irritability because you're not taking that time for yourself. So I know with my clients, I'm like still checking in with parents. Like, are you still doing downtime? Even if it doesn't look like a trip to, you know, Disney. Right. Right. Really good point. You could take little staycations even in your house. Absolutely. You know, or being in nature or going someplace where you're away from people and you're able to do the social distancing, but you still feel like you have some time away where you have a break from like the laundry and, you know, the day-to-day tasks. I know our family went to like this really remote beach for three or four days in the summer where there's just kind of no one around. And we had a friend who had a house that we were able to stay with them. And it just, I mean, it was just so helpful and healing to just be in the ocean and be, have this quiet moment with this other family and, and step away from all the tasks at home. And I know not everybody can do that, but if you can do a version of that, I think it's really important. Yeah. Thank you. So how can people get in touch with you uh, if they have questions or want to reach out? So there's a couple different ways. If you're a resident of North Carolina and you think that I could support your family as you're going through a transition like divorce or separation, then you can go to my website, www.charlotteparentcoaching.com and work with me as a therapist. Another way to access the work that I do is to go to my other website, which is www.drterraegan.com. And on that website, you'll see what I offer as far as coaching services for families. What um, You can get copies of my books. You can get links to my podcast. You can join into the parenting webinar that I offer weekly. So the Dr. Tara Egan site is really sort of any service that I provide that is not specific to therapy in North Carolina. And um, it's just, it's really important to me that I offer ways to share information outside of North Carolina. Like that's really important to me and it's really satisfying. I do public speaking events, things like that. So those are two great places and I can be found on Facebook and Instagram too. Terrific. I'll put all of that in the show notes so people can search there as well. Well, and I know that some of your audience is college students and then some of your audience is parents who have college students. And I do have a private Facebook page called Adolescence A Parents Guide, and it's a support group for parents who have high schoolers. So if you have high school students who are starting to make that transition to post-high school or college, that private Facebook group is a really supportive place where parents communicate concerns, they ask questions, they share resources, they share anecdotes. So that's also a really great place to check out, even if you know, aside from just more of my public Facebook and Instagram pages. So I'll give you that link too. Terrific. That sounds awesome. I know lots of people that could benefit from something like that. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been really great talking to you. Well, I really appreciate this topic. I think that it's an underserved discussion point to talk about grief. And I know for me, working with kids who are going through separation and divorce, you know, that's a very specific type of grief, but I really admire the work you're doing by, by supporting kids who are experiencing any transition as they move to college, because college is so awesome, but 
it goes a lot better when you feel supported. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Tara Egan, for being here with us today. I also want to thank Stephen Bluestein for audio production. Next week, I'll be interviewing Elise Antoine. She's a two-time suicide attempt survivor and the founder of a nonprofit called Rip the Stigma, which seeks to elevate voices of individuals with mental health challenges to reduce the stigma around mental health issues. I'm really excited for that interview, so join us then. That's all for today. Good morning to all of you.